0: Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Seno. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more.
1: You're listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast, where
2: there is no off season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host again this week, Matt Price. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler on the show tonight. This week, we're going to dive into some kind of unsettled backfields, if you were, as we head into training camp. Some of the teams have already started practicing, uh, but uh, we want to look at uh, some some of these backfields where we're not really sure what's going on and maybe some things that we can look at over the next few weeks and into the preseason so we can kind of get some clarity on them as we enter week one and the start of the 2019 season. But before we get to that, we have a couple of news and notes to get to. The big one this week, Ryan, we'll start with you, Tyreek Hill. He's not going to be suspended and will be on the field for week one. So in your opinion, I guess, uh, do you think his dynasty value is all the way back? And where are you currently raking him amongst wide receivers now that we know he's going to be on the field in week one?
1: I don't think it's quite all the way back, uh, at least in my opinion. It's, it's certainly... We certainly saw a huge jump because uh, even though things had kind of been trending in this direction, if you uh, follow the news and beat writers and things like that, there was still, I guess, some perceived risk with the idea of drafting him or trading for him in, in dynasty leagues. So to me, I think that question has to be there kind of in the back of our minds of, you know, is he going to do something like this again? Is he going to... You know, will will this ultimately lead to a, a long suspension or or maybe him being even out of the league? So because of all of that, I mean, we're looking at a guy who was pushing first round ADP. Um, I don't think he's there, but I, I do think he's 90 percent of the way there. You know, I, I think he's a second rounder in startups right now, uh, as far as where I rank him. Uh, in wide, uh, among wide receivers. He was in that top tier for me prior to all this. He He's not there now because of those questions, those concerns. But but he is second tier with guys like uh, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, guys like that.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's where he belongs. I'd, I'd like to say that we'll all forget about this and Hill will return back to where he was. But I think that's going to loom for quite a while. A, a lot of us will keep that in our minds and we'll have a hard time forgetting what, what went on, at least from a dynasty straight strictly from a dynasty value perspective. So with that hanging over our heads, it's difficult to value him any higher than that, Ryan. So I, I really agree with you. Uh, I, I really quickly came up with a list and, and I had him at 26. So early in the third round, that's where I would feel comfortable taking him at this point.
2: That's overall, not at wide overall, receiver 26. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I moved them up to wide receiver 10 uh, in the same tier as Cooper and Diggs. So just behind that, that top seven or eight, depending on how you break those down. So, you know, I think it's most of the way back. Um, and I think – you know, I don't think I think the dynasty owners are kind of starting to respond a little bit. Uh, but would you guys take this as an opportunity to, to sell him? You know, just based on the fact that he is going to be on the field for week one. I kind of think that you know maybe you want him to have one big play and then everybody's super excited and get him back in the top tier, and then maybe that's when you're going to sell if you think that you're uncomfortable with you know his future. Uh, but what do you what do you think, Dan?
0: I don't think so. I th- I think if you didn't sell. Already, if you if you held on and and or especially if you bought him, this is what you were waiting for. So you know, in the in the places that I held him, I'm just gonna keep holding. Uh, and when he's when he's on the field, I'll put him in my lineup and and feel pretty good about him. Uh, there were places actually that I had him where I looked for that replacement, and now I'm looking at that roster with wide eyes, thinking, "Wow, I, I replaced that." that wide receiver one that I had a year ago with, you know, you really bump the wide receiver two up one spot, the wide receiver three up one spot and find that new wide receiver three. Now that guy is essentially your wide receiver four and your your team was stronger. So I wasn't one of the guys uh, immediately selling. I thought there'd be a window. And I think my, my thoughts has, have changed on it simply because there was no suspension at all. We all thought there was at least going to be a small suspension and at this point it he, he's free and clear to to play in week one so we have to go on that valuation um, maybe if something changes i'll, I'll revert back and, and think that i better better move on at this point though i like where i'm at with with my teams and tyree kill on him. yeah i pretty much agree i i don't i don't consider him really a a must
1: buy or a must sell at this point I guess I guess I'm just in that hold territory I would not if I got a opportunity to sell him at that first round evaluation that we were talking about earlier that that he had been prior to all of this news then I would take that but I'm not desperate to get rid of him at this point I I did buy him in one league uh, during all this news of the past six months or so and and I sold him in that same league you know, I'm pretty, pretty happy with the results there, I guess. Well,
2: let's take a look at the DLF Trade Finder, one of our newest tools over at DLF. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but it's not going to be free for too much longer. So uh, let's take a look at these on the 20th. So just after the news, it happened on Friday the 19th. Just after that news, uh, Tyree Kill was traded for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, sorry, Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey for Odell Beckham Jr. and Sony Michelle. I'm going to go ahead and take the Tyree Kill on that side.
1: Yeah, that was, to me, that's a clear win even before this news came down. Um, I mean, if you're talking about gambling on those secondary players, Tyreek and Sony Michel, even with this, this uncertainty that we've had up until the past week or so, I'd, I'd rather have Hill uh, and then, I mean, McCaffrey and, and Beckham are essentially a
2: toss up, but I think it's the McCaffrey side really easily on this one.
0: Couldn't agree more.
2: Uh, another trade that happened on the Saturday after the news came out, Tyreek Hill and Duke Johnson for carry On Johnson and Will Fuller, Dan. Well, my
0: my view of this one might be a little bit tainted because of my thoughts on Will Fuller and, and how I, you know, when he's on the field, he he's always looked good. But, man, I can't trust that guy. I think I like the, the Tyreek Hill side. On, on this one as well, Duke Johnson doesn't add a whole lot to this as far as value goes, but it feels to me like Carry on Johnson, um, he's kind of just hanging there uh, where he is in ADP, I, and I prefer Tyreek Hill straight up with him, and, and Will Fuller just doesn't, isn't enough for me to move off of Tyreek Hill, even with all the news of the last half a year. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think I mean I like both on
1: Johnson and Fuller, but I don't view either of them as slam dunks. And I think at this point you can get a slam dunk for Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I'll I think you have one more Matt, but I'll go ahead and throw the deal I made in uh, because it also involves Sony Michelle that we talked about a, a moment ago. So I traded before this news. This was two or three weeks ago. Tyreek Hill and Sony Michelle for Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay. So I don't, I don't consider those guys as slam dunks either at this point, uh, but some upside there with both of those. So I, I'm happy with the way it worked out. Of course, if I'd waited, probably could have even gotten some more.
2: Yeah, we do got one more. This one is, I think, maybe the toughest one, depending about how you feel, uh, especially about Fournette. But uh, Tyreek Hill, Leonard Fournette, Jared Cook for Stefan Diggs and Melvin Gordon. For me, I, I'm ready to, to to sell Tyreek Hill for this because I think you get two nice players there. We'll talk about the Melvin Gordon uh, holdout in just a minute now. But uh, what do you think about this one, Ryan?
1: I agree with you. I'd be on the Diggs and Gordon side here. I, I think it, it's a pretty fair deal. So just kind of where you want that risk Um Really, other than Diggs, who I think kind of is what we've seen from him, which is, uh, you know, a solid wide receiver too with with some upside still. I think we pretty much. I think there's some risk with all the other guys, so I'll take that Dig side.
0: Yeah, I want the Dig side as well. It, it seems like Diggs is the solid and safe guy. Uh, so if if you are a Tyree Kill owner and you're you're especially worried about something coming up again or or even from this. Incident, something reoccurring or new news breaking on this, uh, a, a pivot over to Stefan Diggs sounds pretty good. And then Fournette and Cook for Melvin Gordon, even with the news of Gordon wanting that new contract, seems like the Gordon side is the better side of that. So it's a relatively easy for me that I want Diggs and Gordon.
2: All right, let's move on. Uh, we were talking about Gordon. We're going to talk about a couple of running backs here that have decided to kind of try to follow the Le'Veon Bell path. Uh, Levy on Ball Today, guys, posted uh, a thing on Twitter, just a tweet with some eyeball. Emojis and 260 question mark of him pulling a sled and looking like he's uh, he's ready to go. So, you know, maybe it's going to work out for him, at least in terms of his health and his ability to stay on the field this year and, and come back from uh, a year of not playing football. But both Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott trying the same thing. It seems like, to me, like Gordon has a little bit more room to stand on just because he's going to be able to get that that free agent uh, eligibility no matter what happens here. He's already in that, that, that year. But Elliott, he's got to be back on the field at least for a practice for the for the Cowboys by August 6th to acquire that fourth year uh, and get to an uh, unrestricted free agency so uh, but there were obviously some news too that he's planning a you know an out of country vacation at that time so I guess we'll see what happens there um, but uh, I, I think the overarching opinion has to be that both these guys end up back in camp and ready to go for week one but just in case not uh, you know we, I think we do have to be able to prepare for the worst case scenario so they could obviously make a move with some veterans out there Alfred Morris is still hanging around you know JGI is still out there so certainly possible that they bring in one of these veterans that are still out there on the free agent market. But right now, if we're talking about the Cowboys, we've only got Tony Pollard, Mike Weber, and Darius Jackson. So uh, I guess, Dan, are, are you taking a stab at any of these guys, it, either, either just to, just to have him in case uh, an injury or something happens to Zeke, or if he holds out, are you going to take a stab on any of these guys? I know we all like Pollard.
0: Yeah, we all like Pollard, but I think we like Pollard when Zeke's there. Pollard plays that that extra guy role, that that guy that can get on the perimeter and and make plays uh, both in the pass and and running game. On the other, on the flip side, if Zeke isn't there, it seems to me that somebody else is going to get a brunt of those opportunities, and maybe that would be the guy you'd want to take a take a shot at, uh, at especially if he's free. And you know, I don't know if that's Mike Weber. He seems like just a guy. Um, but but of the guys currently on the roster, I guess he's the guy that seems like he'd he'd fill fill the role more than the other two.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and there's I mean, I can't imagine we we talk about running back replaceability and it seems like the NFL has almost followed fantasy players lead in, in that in that way that they're now not willing to to pay up for the running backs. But even with that idea in mind, I, I can't imagine that they would go into the season with Pollard and, and Weber, a couple of late round rookies, as as their main guys. So Weber's probably free in most leagues, probably on the waiver wire. Pollard is, doesn't have a ton of value yet. So sure, it's it's worth taking a chance and trying to get both of those guys on your roster. But if if Zeke does miss time, if he does hold out, I, I think they would have to make a move somewhere.
2: Yeah, one trade that happened, I can only really find one in, in, in recent recent enough that I felt comfortable sharing in terms of the Zeke situation. That was Pollard straight up for MVS uh, uh, there, Dan. What do you think about that one? Oh,
0: man, give me the MVS side for all the yeah. reasons we just said. I'm surprised that there are owners out there, and this is obviously a small sample size. I'm surprised there's owners out there that value those two players at similar, similar valuations, I guess seems like a slam dunk i want mvs in that in that deal yeah
1: i'd want i'd want mvs there as well
2: yeah, just from a value standpoint, I think MVS is probably pulling a mid to late second at that, your your best case scenario. Or uh, and then Pollard, you know, I think he still be had in the third. Sometimes even fourth round or rookie drafts if they're still happening. So that seems easy for the MVS side. Let's go to the Chargers. We a little bit more of established guys there. We've got Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, both guys. Yeah, uh, did did well last year in limited runs. Eckler, I think, did a lot better when his touches were manufactured. Uh, when Gordon was still playing on, on there, and when he got a little bit more of the workload, it kind of faltered a little bit. Justin Jackson, I think, was was much more productive as kind of a, and profiles more as kind of the lead back if Gordon was to continue to hold out. Um, but what do you think about these two? Are you going out and spending? Say, uh, I don't know if you can get either of them for a third right now. Maybe Justin Jackson. I think uh, Austin Eckler. You're probably not going to be able to get for a third at this point, though, Ryan. Yeah, you, sh- you
1: shouldn't have been able to get him for a third a couple weeks ago either. I, I think Eckler has some uh, standalone value regardless of the Gordon situation, uh, so he should he should certainly cost a, a second rounder at minimum, um, and, and and he does now if he didn't before. You know, I, I'm probably not buying because I think I think we've seen uh, we've probably seen a pretty big price increase just based on this news alone. I mean, I don't have any obviously don't have any information or inclination as as to whether Gordon will actually hold out uh, but I'm I'm not going to
0: pay the just in case price you know the thing for me with with Gordon is that he's he's on that list of guys you really want to handcuff anyway because of his injury history and and everything that has kind of gone on with him throughout his career, when it came to those injuries. So, you know, if if you were a savvy owner, you were probably interested in adding Eckler and, and maybe even Jackson. Anyway, if you have the the room, I, I'm with you, Ryan. If you're if you're looking to do it now, it's probably a little bit too late. Uh, especially if you're looking for looking for a guy because you're especially worried that that Gordon is going to be holding out I don't have as much concern as a lot of the national guys that I hear with with these two running backs talking about Zeke and Melvin Gordon I think both those guys are are, you know despite being early in their careers and, and having a lot of value for those teams Matt you mentioned that Melvin Gordon is closer to that free agent contract than Zeke is so maybe that changes things slightly um, I, I think it's just so fresh in our minds what happened with Le'Veon Bell a year ago that, that we fear it more than maybe we should, and, and maybe that did set a precedent. I, I'm not convinced that's the case, though, so I'm not quite as concerned as a lot of those out there that are talking about this.
2: Just to put some numbers on it, uh, we have uh, some recent trades within the last week for these two players. And, you know, I don't think people are paying quite too much. There's a couple of instances here we might question it. Uh, Eckler, a first, a 2021st and a second for Marlon Mack. And it kind of feels about right to me. I don't know what you guys think. Eckler for Mike Davis and a third. I'll go ahead and take Eckler there. Eckler for Carlos Hyde. I probably I'm going to take Eckler in that case too. I think that one's probably maybe the closest one. You're you're gambling a little bit either way. I think uh, Eckler for a 19 308 and a 2023. That seems like a slam dunk for Eckler to me. And then over to Justin Jackson. We have a Jackson and a 2023rd for Peyton Barber. Uh, I mean, I guess you're, if you're believing some of the beat writers lately with Peyton Barber, there was an article that came out that said he might get 45 targets in the passing game. Uh, I guess maybe that's a little bit of a, a slight on to Ronald Jones and his, pa- his pass-catching ability a little bit. Uh, J- Justin Jackson for, for Devin Funches. that feels a little bit rich for Jackson to me, jo- and Justin Jackson for Josh Gordon, also maybe a little bit rich, depending on how you feel about the upside of Gordon in 2019. Do any of those trades stick out to you, Dan? You know, they all seem relatively fair. Uh, lots
0: of low-end prospects or low-end pieces changing hands there. Uh, the the one that you mentioned, Eckler, and and the first and the second from Marlon Mack, that seemed more about the draft picks than it was more Eckler himself. Uh, the Eckler and Carlos Hyde one is the one that really jumped off to me because because I could see see that happening in a lot of leagues. Really. You know, it depends on on if you're handcuffing or if you're looking for to hit lightning in a bottle with one of these guys. Uh, but you know, none of them really really looked crazy or or insane or anything like that to me. I guess it just struck me the that Eckler's price,
1: even after this news, is uh, is very reasonable. I think Eckler the Eckler side won all of those trades easily. So. Yeah, maybe maybe we should be checking out uh, his
2: availability in our leagues. All right, let's get over to our unsettled backfields topic. We're going to start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys. This one seems to me like maybe the most unsettled backfield in the entire league to be honest with you Ronald Jones of course there the second year back who did nothing in year one Peyton Barber the the kind of just a just a guy kind of guy but it seems like the coaching staff really likes him even though this is a new coaching staff it seems like they still like him and of course the the undrafted rookie Bruce Anderson uh, Jones coming in at running back 38 104 overall Barber running back 53 148 overall Bruce Anderson 76 and 228 overall we'll go back to you here Ryan any of these guys that you're targeting ahead of camp you know because if we if we end up seeing that jones is going to be the starter his price is going to rise and the same for the other two maybe not quite as extremely as jones would rise i think if if he was declared the starter but would you be targeting any of these guys ahead of uh, the news that's about to hit us with all of the training camp and preseason information
1: well we've already seen their price rise so that's that's part of the problem right now and and i think that's what's facing dynasty owners is do we do we still buy these guys at these new prices? If you look uh, four or five months ago, Ronald Jones is RB 46. Now he's RB 38. Peyton Barber was RB 69. Now he's RB 53. So that's probably a Bruce Arians effect a little bit with uh, high expectations with that new coaching staff. Um, I'm certainly not buying Ronald Jones at at his price. Uh, To me, we didn't see anything. I think we, we put Jones and Royce Freeman and, and Rashad Penny kind of in a bucket. I, I don't think they're anywhere close. We saw I think we saw flashes from the other two and absolutely nothing from, from Jones. I don't really want Barber either, but his price is is certainly reasonable. I think probably that the theme of a lot of these might be just take a shot on the cheapest guy. And that's where I am in this backfield with Bruce Anderson. He he's the cheapest and he he might even have the most upside, honestly, as, as crazy as that sounds. So I would buy Bruce Anderson uh, if I have to pick one of these guys. But in general,
0: I'm probably staying away at their price. Yeah, and Bruce Anderson is, is nearly free, really, uh, unless you're in a relatively deep league, I guess. Uh, even if you have to trade for him, you, you're trading a future third, uh, uh, maybe even less than that, uh, the last guy on your roster maybe for Bruce Anderson because the hype hasn't really... Reached him just yet. I I watched a lot of Bruce Anderson in college, and and while he isn't a powerful guy, and you know misses holes from from time to time, he is a good downhill runner with a with a nice cutback, and he has enough speed to make an impact, especially in that Tampa Bay backfield, where let's face it, there there isn't a whole lot of talent, so. I'm, I'm with Ryan here, and, and maybe I will be throughout this exercise because it seems like the, the cheap guy is the guy to buy. Bruce Anderson, especially if he's on a waiver wire, is certainly worthy of the last roster spot that you have.
2: Yeah, and Anderson really showed up at the senior bowl, especially demonstrating his pass catching ability, which I think is really going to set him apart from these two uh, in front of him there. So worth a stab, in my opinion, and uh, as well, if basically free, like you guys said, and, and and probably the the greatest upside too is it just kind of depends on if coaching staff trusts him ahead of those guys and if they decide they want to you know try try to make themselves. Oh, well, I guess the last coaching staff staff right on their pick of Ronald Jones uh, earlier in the 2018 draft. So let's go over to. Walker. Washington uh, we know the story here Darius Geis should be the guy he had an amazing first half of his first preseason game and then season was over but still uh, coming in at running back 21-48 overall Adrian Peterson the old stud uh, actually had a pretty decent season last year and if Geis is it right you know I, I don't know that we can say that he's going to have much worse of a season I guess the offensive line is going to be a little bit healthier passing game is you know whatever you want to say about that kind of a catastrophe but Peterson is, has dealt with that stuff before in his career so I think we we could be seeing another solid season out of him if Geist is not available. He's coming in at running back 63 and 185 overall. Uh, Chris Thompson the pass catching back maybe a little bit of a post high sleeper here honestly because when he's been on the field the last couple of seasons he's really produced for us in that running back two range Uh, 197 overall running back 66 and of course the other rookie uh, uh, the the one rookie here Bryce Love running back 71 214 overall we're not sure if he's going to be on the field week one so Dan we'll go back to you here are you just going to take the one of the three cheap guys again?
0: Yeah, it's probably the cheap guy for me. I I got pretty concerned with the Darius Geis news a few weeks ago, and and a lot of that has been downplayed since. But until we see him on the field, it's hard to invest what his ADP suggests he's worth. Adrian Peterson, on the other hand, it it seems like he's going to get opportunities, and and he is a bruiser that can stay healthy and, and take that kind of punishment. So as long as Washington is in a football game, which which may not happen all that often, he's going to be a useful asset for you. Um, And that all leads to Chris Thompson, who is probably the buy of the group for me, simply because that offense has so many question marks. And we're unsure exactly how good they can be, even if they reach their full potential. That means they're going to be playing from behind in games, and, and they're going to need that pass catcher, that scat back in the backfield to catch passes. Chris Thompson, uh, you called him a post-heist sleeper. That's exactly what he is. He can be had for a really price ch- really cheap price tag. And, and usually that's the guy I'm after, and especially in this case, because it, particularly in PPR leagues, he's going to score relatively consistent points for you. Yeah, I totally agree with, with both of you on
1: Chris Thompson. Uh, Peterson did have a nice season last year, but most of that production came early in the season when, when Smith was healthy and they were competitive. He had some pretty rough uh, splits when they were behind in games. Which we expect that to happen pretty often this year. So Peterson is cheap enough that I'm fine taking a chance on him if you need some running back depth. But I think Thompson might be the the, the better buy, and they're they're similarly priced in the in the RB 60s uh, range. And, and guys, yeah, you look at him. I had I had a real problem with his value early in the offseason. He was up to RB 13. Lots of talk about his injuries, obviously not just the ACL, but the recent uh, hamstring injury as well. So I think the dynasty community as a whole has, has lowered his price. He's down to RB 21, Matt, as you mentioned. And that's, that's certainly much more palatable, but I'm still avoiding even at that price. He's, he's a top 50 overall player and he he just doesn't feel like he, he should be yet.
2: Yeah. It still feels a little bit rich for someone we've literally seen for half a football and just hasn't been too many positive news and notes from uh, his recovery process. And I mean, this is, this I think this is one where I could, I, I guess all of us, if we all feel this way, all of us could be really wrong. Cause I, I really, really did like him coming out. Uh, and it, I mean, if he was in this class, just, just, to, just for fun, what were, where would you guys put him in terms of the running backs? Would he be a running back one if he was in the 2019 class? Um, yeah, I think he probably would. You- You know, you look at the, I mean, obviously if,
1: if the injury situation was different.
0: Yeah. I think you'd have to weigh that injury history with it. I I guess if he was coming out without last year happening, maybe you'd consider him there. Uh, It seems like I'd have a hard time, you know, with the landing spot and everything. I'd have a hard time putting him over, over Jacobs and and Sanders. I, I think maybe he'd be third for me.
2: Wow. All right, well, let's move on to San Francisco. Uh, Tevin Coleman, the obvious, well, I guess not obvious, but the one we think is going to be the running back one there based on his relationship with Shanahan and signing a little bit of a larger contract. Running back 34, 84 overall. Jarek McKinnon, running back 41. Uh, we know the story with him signed last year he was supposed to be the answer and was hurt for the entire season now he's got uh uh, you know some more much more competition back there 112 overall for him Matt Breida at running back 54 152 Uh, he put up some really nice production as well and then Raheem Raheem Mostar is going undrafted so he's basically completely free and San Francisco I don't know if you guys remember but San Francisco actually signed him to a three-year contract earlier this season in March for three million total guarantee I know it's not a ton of money, but that seems like a lot of money for a fourth running back on your roster. So he could certainly be involved as well. Ryan, what are you doing with this group? Well, I, I really don't feel like we
1: should be discussing this group, honestly. Um, I think this is a little more settled than maybe some of the others on the list. I think it's Tevin Coleman. You look at the other three, all three of them are, are missing time, or at least they did in, uh, in minicamp camp with these injuries. And the the recent news I've seen on McKinnon is that he might not even be ready for the start of the season. So I I certainly have, I guess some doubt or some concern about the, the closeness and value of Coleman and McKinnon. Uh, I I don't think they should be that close at all. Uh, We, we, you had to love what you saw from Matt Breda last year, but he also just could not, uh, could not stay in the game. Uh, or at least maybe he shouldn't have because he just kept getting hurt. So to me, this is Tevin Coleman pretty easily at RB 34. I think his, his price is, is certainly fair. So yeah, I, th- I think this
0: is an e- an easy one. Well, I, I don't think we should be talking about this either, but I, I think it for completely different reasons. It's simply because I don't want any of them and I, I'm not willing to pay the price for, for really any of these guys. I, th- I think they might be all overvalued and, And that might be because they all exist and they're all battling for touches and and battling for playing time in San Francisco. Everything I read from that 49ers front office and coaching staff seems to point to them liking everybody. And I know that could be coach speak and front office speak, I guess. But there's a very real chance that this could be a two or a three-headed monster. And unless there's injuries to kind of shake things out in San Francisco all of us dynasty and fantasy owners may be disappointed with the results uh, especially if it's a different guy every week so well while I think there's probably some value to be had in San Francisco I, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to figure out which guy's the guy to have in my lineup every week so I'm staying away in the places that I can
2: well, I guess uh, our editor can edit out that entire section because nobody wants to talk about San Francisco <laughs> but me. So, uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Matt? I, 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 I think it's, I think McKinnon is the only avoid for me. I don't mind the price on Coleman. Running back thirty-four seems like a pretty reasonable price to pay for someone who we know is in a system that has produced in the past. I know we have these other guys behind him that are probably going to mess things up a little bit, but. I just think in this case it's it's the one that you want to pay up for if we're going to call running back for for a, a pay-up price because if we're talking about paying for the cheapest guy in each of these backfields then I think this maybe is the the different one and then I have a little bit of like I mean I could, if I have an end of a roster I have a way of a spot open on my roster I don't mind picking up Mostert uh just to see what happens because I think he did have a you know an okay season uh, based on what he did and the state of that team when he was playing so uh and then the fact that the team gave him a th- gave him which I I feel is a pretty significant contract for a running back four on on your roster. So, uh, I think I would avoid the two middle guys uh, and, and kind of take a chance on, on the on the on the the top end with Coleman and the back end with Mostert if I was going to uh, make a choice on these ones. Uh, but let's move on to Buffalo. Uh, again, maybe up there with Tampa Bay in terms of unsettledness. Uh, the rookie actually comes in as the the most valuable one right now, Devin Singletary, running back 44 at 125 overall, a guy that we all, I think, liked quite a bit before the combine, and, and obviously value fell after that, but then he still went high in the NFL draft, so uh, you have to like the draft capital a little bit there. LaShawn McCoy, running back 51 at 145 overall, TJ Yeldon, running back 58, 173 overall, and of course. The, the one that won't die, Mr. Frank Gore, running back 88, 263 overall, basically not even getting drafted anymore. Uh, so we'll go back to you, Dan, here. Uh, what, what are we doing with this mess? I, I think it's an avoid all the way around for me, but what about you?
0: Well, I, I'd like to avoid all the way around, but it seems to me with, the, with that veteran group of McCoy and Gore and, and Yeldon that Buffalo wants to give a chance to the young guy. And although I was as disappointed as most with that with that performance in Indianapolis for in the combine i it you can't ignore that they have a little bit of draft capital into him now there was reports of him seeing first team reps in in the off season workouts and Uh, everything out of Buffalo seems to point to that coaching staff, at least the offensive coaching staff, really liking what they see and liking the potential of Singletary in that offense. So while I don't necessarily love the player, I think there is some short-term upside and considering McCoy's injury history and his age and and Frank Gore's age, especially all signs to me look towards Devin Singletary getting opportunities. Now, I don't know if it that means necessarily that he's worth giving up what his AD, ADP suggests at 125 overall and, and running back 44, but if, I ha- if it if gone to my head and I had to choose one of these guys to add to my roster, it would be Singletary, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. Looking at this list and, and where they're currently being drafted among running backs, I really feel good about the value of all of these guys. Um, that being said, one of them is probably not going to make the roster, and and it seems recent reports suggest that might be uh, Shady McCoy. I think they can save over six million if they cut him uh, prior to week one. So uh, one of these guys is going to be gone. I feel like it's probably McCoy, and and certainly Singletary is is the safest of the group as far as uh, his his spot on the roster. And I think obviously has the most upside as well, but, uh, in existing dynasty leagues, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on any
0: of these guys. And the three veterans are, are all very cheap. Yeah. I should mention really that, that I did actually add McCoy in one league just recently, uh, looking for an extra piece to, to kind of even out a trade and asked about McCoy. The guy was happy to give him up. And I have a contending roster, not only just as a Buffalo Bill, because but because if he were to get cut, like a lot of people seem to think uh, will happen, I thought maybe there's a chance he lands somewhere. So so I do agree with you, Ryan, that they all do have value. Uh, just, just looking at the ADPs, though, it seems like Singletary is the one, for sure, with the most long-term value. And, and for dynasty owners, that usually rules.
2: You make a good point there about... McCoy may be ending somewhere up somewhere else maybe Tampa Bay. I bet he could probably take over that backfield pretty easily. So oh, uh, let yeah so let's go on to Seattle. You know, this is this one is unsettled for different reasons I think. It's not like there's a whole bunch of guys here. I think it's t- still Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. Uh, so we don't really have to worry about McKissick or or CJ Proce here. So it's really Rashad Penny at the top running back 25 61 overall. Chris Carson running back 35 85 overall. Dan, we'll go, we'll go right back to you here. Uh, I think we all have kind of jumped on the penny bandwagon. I was not a fan coming out based on where he was going in rookie drafts last year, but he did flash enough for me that, you know, at this, this price tag, at this point in the season, we know Seattle's going to run the ball a lot, and it seems like they're going to want to give every opportunity to their first round pick from 2018.
0: Yeah, all, all signs point to that happening. And, and if you watch Rashad Penny and his, his overall body of work, from his rookie season, uh, it really looked good. He just didn't have a lot of opportunities. So while I wasn't a big Rashad Penny fan coming out of college either, and and really wasn't investing him in rookie drafts a year ago, that that value dropped at least enough that he was an interesting trade target. And I was able to get him in a couple of places either like early, early in the off season or, or late, late last season. So I, I, I got him in a couple places. His value seems to be slowly creeping up. I'm not so sure I'd be investing in him necessarily nine. He's already a fringe running back two. Uh, well, I don't believe Chris Carson is anything near what, what the talent level that Rashad Penny is, um, he still exists and it seems like that coaching staff likes him seems like there could be a timeshare here if i had to invest in one i would take penny but i liked his price tag a few months ago a lot better than i do now
1: yeah i I totally agree there um i really want both of these guys but i'm not willing to pay the price for either i I think is kind of where i am uh if i if i already have them on my roster i'm uh, certainly happy about that carson we can, we can say is undervalued, probably, that, that's probably not going to change. After the season he had last year, if dynasty owners don't believe yet, I, I, doubt, I doubt they ever are going to, especially with, with Penny hanging around there. So if I'm
0: picking between the two, um, I, I'm, I'm still taking Penny. You know, Penny's an interesting guy, really, Ryan, because a lot of times we talk about these rookies, particularly first round rookies, and how they, even in a disappointing rookie season, tend to gain value or stay steady. Penny really did a lot of ups and downs throughout his rookie season. Of course, he gained a lot of value after getting drafted and hung around there until early in his rookie season, but dipped down as low as 84, had one nice game and and got into the 50s, and then just dived after that until the last couple of months where he went down, down by 80 all the way up to to now now the low 60s at 62 so it feels to me like he's been on this roller coaster ride and a lot of us have have kind of gone along on the ride that's not necessarily typical of a first round rookie
1: no it's it's not but I I do think you make a good point that uh, sometimes we give up on these these rookie running backs too quickly Uh, we talked about Ronald Jones earlier and uh, again to me I, I don't think he showed anything i think penny did when when he got a chance maybe we maybe we still consider that a disappointing season after being a first round pick and a and an early pick in rookie drafts uh, but carson was there mike davis was there both certainly very capable um, this this is a team that's going going to run the ball all day long we know that they've they've made that clear so i i want both of these guys again
2: yeah, I want them both too. I, I just, I don't know. It's it's probably a, a blind spot for me, but I just have a hard time paying for Carson with with Penny there. I think there is probably enough volume for both to be successful. I just think it feels like one of them is going to get the 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 sixty forty out of the sixty part of the sixty forty split, and I think that guy is going to be Penny. So I'll pay a little bit of the premium to get him. Let's go on to Philadelphia. Miles Sanders guys all of our I think all of our favorite running back in this draft but there's been not so much so much great news from him so far the last uh, month or so seems like he has that hamstring injury and is maybe in the doghouse a little bit coming in at running back 23 51 overall still still my favorite out of this group but Jordan Howard still there running back 41, 11 overall and Darren Sproles was just uh, uh resign you know probably not going to have a huge role but certainly going to take some of the shine off of Miles Sanders uh, uh passing work down work I think uh because I I know we all we we all know that Sproles can still do that I'm sure uh, as long as he's healthy so uh Miles Sanders maybe arrow pointing down a little bit but still still like him I uh, I'm not going to take a shot on Howard but I'll still take a shot on Sanders and I guess if I really need a running back for free I can take a shot on Sproles Ryan
1: Yeah I, I love this Sanders talk uh, I love I love the minor injury. I love the, the talk about Howard catching the ball. That's all great uh, because that that lowers the price, maybe, maybe only slightly, but that lowers the price for Miles Sanders. And to me in this class, he's still closer to RB1 than he is RB3 or 4. So I absolutely uh, would be buying him at this ADP or, or whatever his trade value is at lately. You just look at this depth chart and it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean the, the three guys you mentioned, Sanders, Howard, and Sproles, but then they've got these guys who have sat at the bottom of dynasty, uh, dynasty rosters the past two or three years, Corey Clement, Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Boston Scott. I mean, they're going to have to cut three of these guys. So some, some team, you know, the, the Cowboys, if Zeke holds out, or uh, some of these other teams with unsettled backfields that we're talking about, uh, are going to go shopping at Philadelphia soon. Yeah,
0: and maybe one of those guys could could come up with some value somewhere. Those those are all guys that I've been dropping to make room for rookie picks. Guys like Miles Sanders, easy drop of Corey Clement, Tad Miles Sanders. I agree with you completely, Ryan. That that Sanders is the guy, and and all this news is is just helping you you at the very least create a window to buy and and make that owner a little bit jumpy or, or feel a little bit nervous that, that perhaps, and and I did hear this from an owner uh, of Miles Sanders who thought, well, maybe Miles Sanders is this year's Ronald Jones. And man, that was a, that was a easy talking point to, to try to pry Miles Sanders away. Hasn't happened quite yet. I'm hoping to get it done, done soon. So if he's listening, it's, it's time to get it done and, and, (laughs) <laughs> Don't listen to what Ryan said, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I want I want Sanders of this group. I'm I'm avoiding Howard and just like you, Matt, I'm I'm not avoiding Sproles. If if I'm in a big roster league and Sproles hit the waiver wire, I think in a full PPR, he's going to catch some passes. He's not going to completely uh disappear and he's only one injury or or one opportunity away from catching a handful of balls and being useful to dynasty owners in as, as a flex play when, when you have injuries
2: or, or bi-week fill-in needs. For, for, for both of you guys here, but if you can get, you know, say a projected late second for Jordan Howard right now, are you taking that in 2020?
0: Um, unless I'm a, I'm a contender with, with depth issues at running back, I probably am. If, if I have depth issues at running back, I might want the wild card status of Howard, hold on to him in case he gets his opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's where I am as well. I think uh, Howard is another player who I, I feel like there's probably a gap between ADP and trade value. You look at that ADP of RB forty, uh, just outside the top one hundred. Not something I'd be interested in, but he seems like a player that that dynasty players just you know just want to get off their roster as quickly as they can. So I think the trade value is probably much lower than that. So that's that he, he may actually be a, a trade target
2: just for that depth, uh, but an avoid in startups. Let's go over to Denver. Philip Lindsay has been really out for the entire offseason with that wrist injury, but he took the very first rep uh, out of the backfield in the first week of training camp last week. So coming in at running back 26, 65 overall, it seems like the injury is over with, and he's back to pretty much full speed. We don't have to worry about any uh, kind of cascading injuries, I don't think, in terms of what sometimes happens with coming back from knee injuries. Uh, He he just had that wrist, so ready to go. Maybe maybe, uh, he has a slightly increased risk for fumbling. I don't know. But uh, before that, Royce Freeman was getting basically all of the work uh, in the off season. Running back, 33-83rd overall. And there's some some talk that you know they they're going to want to have a bigger backfield a, a bigger back as the primary this year with that new coaching regime. Uh, and uh, Lindsey might be taking more of the passing down work. But I think that's kind of really what we want out of our running backs. We want those pass catchers. We know Lindsey can do it, even though he wasn't quite used as that way last season. Uh, Ryan, uh, what do you think about these two? You want them both? neither of them at these prices. Yeah, I want neither of them at these prices. RB 26 for Lindsey, RB 33
1: for Freeman. Uh, th- there's just too much uncertainty, not only with how they'll be used, uh, but, but with the offense in general. And you think about that 2020 running back class, this probably could be said with most of these teams we've talked about today. This feels like a jo- a, a spot where a 2020 rookie could come in and, and take the job. Um, so I, I just, I guess I just don't view either of these guys as uh, long-term assets and
0: given their price tag, I'm avoiding. I'm a little higher on Lindsay than, than Ryan for sure. And, and probably you as well, Matt, I, I waited for the window. I was, I was hoping for the chance to, to get Lindsay at a discount, but his ADP never really suggested that, that owners were willing to give up on him just yet. Uh, he, he hung in the 60s the entire offseason despite all that news in Denver. So that leads me to believe that Lindsay owners out there are diehards. They're, they believe in him, and then maybe there's the other side of the coin where, where the guys that don't have him aren't going to believe and, and don't feel like he's going to take that jump. Uh, I was able to acquire it, him in one league and felt really good about that trade then, and and still do now. But I'm I'm not really, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I, I feel like there are so many dynasty owners out there that are are down on Lindsey and not necessarily up on Freeman, and it doesn't seem to add up to me. Because there's a year's worth of production coming up in 2019, and it feels to me like a bulk of that is going to Lindsey again. He's still going to be a young player after his second year in the league. And if that all comes true, it's going to be a little more difficult for that new guy to, to come in there and unseat him.
2: Yeah, I like Lindsey a lot, uh, you know, early early last season when he was super cheap. But uh, this price, it, it feels like it's getting too much. But that said, I have tried to unload him in multiple places for a late first-round pick uh, in, in in all kinds of spots, and I can't get that, and I'm not going to sell him for a second. So he seems like the ultimate hold to me right now, uh, you know, and we'll have to figure out what happens. And, you know, if he if – he, if he falters a little bit and Freeman takes a little bit more of the workload, then I'll be like, okay, fine. I'll sell him for a second because I still think his, his value is not going to fall outside of that second round. Uh, but I just, I'm just, i not sure you can get a first for him right now, and that's, if that's if that's the case, I'm going to hold on to him.
0: I actually just looked, Matt, and the, the trade that I got him this off season. I traded the 205 and the 312 for him. So I, I still perfect. feel good about that
2: yeah I would definitely take lindsay on the Lindsay side on that one for sure uh, and then freeman you know i i i'm I'm a little bit interested at that price, but I think this is again a disconnect between between a d p and trade value. I think you could still maybe get him a little bit cheaper than this r b thirty three price probably I think you could get him for you know mid early to mid second depending on on uh, how the owner feels about them. So uh, let's move on to our last team, New England. We could throw some extra guys in here too, like Rex Burkhead, running back 90 <laughs> if, if you want to, uh, some other guys still kicking around. But really the three I think that we need to be concerned about for this year and at least for the future are Sony Michelle at running back 22, 49 overall, Damian Harris running back 36, 96 overall, uh, and James White running back 32, 82nd overall. Dan, I'll go back to you here. Harris is the guy for me. It's it's really not that close.
0: Yeah, it's not close at all. And and I've tried to sell Sony in the place that I have, have him since before last season ended and have struck out at all all turns. It, it seems like most dynasty owners are, are looking at him as a an asset that's going down in value. And, and a lot of that's because of Damian Harris. But I, I think a lot of that started even last season before those or during even, those big games at the end of the year and then throughout the NFL postseason. So it's really an odd situation. I wish I could sell out on Michelle where I can, but it's just not happening. Harris, on the other hand, uh, still a very low-end RB3 slash RB4 at RB36. 96 overall, man, that seems like a value. I've seen him creep into the first round of some rookie drafts, and and that seems like closer to where he should be going than the places that guys like us were getting him early in the offseason at the end of the second and even in the first two picks of the third round. So uh, if, I, if there's a guy in New England, not just running backs, to go get right now, it seems to me like it's Damian Harris. You know, we talked about the disconnect between ADP
1: and trade value. I think this is probably an example of the other way around. I think there's been so much concern, uh, so much recent concern about Sony and, and so much, uh, I guess, good news, hype, positive buzz around uh, Damian Harris that I think he, he probably is going to cost you more than you might expect for the RB36. Uh, but but he's still, he's still my pick there along with, along with James White, I mean, RB 32. And that's pretty much, I mean, to me, that's very safe production coming from, from white. If you, if you're drafting him as, as an RB three and we could potentially get RB one numbers as he put up last year. So uh, I really want both of those guys and, and don't want Sony Michelle at all.
2: I, I made I messed up earlier this offseason. I got offered – it was in KS4, actually, Ryan, a first and a third for Michelle, and at that time it felt really light, but I wish I had taken that deal right now because that, that deal is definitely off the table. Uh, and I agree with you, James, why it just – it's just tough. I, I, I mean, I want to I want to like him because of the the lack of targets there in the passing game. We have Edelman, maybe Josh Gordon, maybe Braxton barrios Who knows? But it seems like he's going to be have some consistent production for you. And like you said, he's going to put up some of those running back one weeks as well. Uh, that's going to do it though for this week on the DLF Dynasty podcast. Next week, uh, we'll we'll see what we're going to do. We'll we'll be around. We're going to have another show. Uh, Ryan and I are and and Dan are going to go off and, and and have a little bit of a vacation in Chicago the following week. But next week we'll. Be be back with you guys. Uh, So have a great week and we'll talk to you next time on the DLF Dynasty podcast.